Hello, um, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Business Exchange, How Business Works, brought to you by the American Business Council, the voice of American business in Nigeria. The Business Exchange is a bi-weekly program where business executives and industry experts and also multilateral agency um, experts share insights on how business works with a deep dive into stories that have and impact different sectors and different areas. My name is Margaret Olele and I'm your host for the show. Now, today our topic will focus on the strengthening uh, employability to drive economic growth. And when you say that the children are um, the the voice of the future, or they are, uh, as in, in some cases, they say the child is the father of the man, um, we know that this also applies to Nigerian children. But we also know that the youth uh, in Nigeria are talented, resilient. Uh, in spite of all this, we have you know serious challenges uh, that that come with uh, the issues around lack of uh, employment opportunities. And uh, I mean, there, there are different factors about these. Uh, we, I mean, we have mentioned uh, the vibrant nature of the youth population, how gifted they are. But this issue around unemployment, which um, the National Bureau of Statistics um, estimate at about 42%, really stares us in the face. So this is about 9% um, above the national average. And, um, you know, when we look at the issue around the lack of jobs as a causative factor from the demand side. We also notice that many employers complain about the difficulties in getting the right candidates to fit or fill the entry-level roles. And now this is because the employers claim or just say, I mean, I don't want to say claim, that many um, youth um, lack the basic skills to fill these roles. So, I mean, there are other issues around uh, the higher education institutions that have been blamed for producing graduates who fail to meet employment demands in the labor market. Um, there's also the issues around distortions in the higher education system that people um, suspect may be um, responsible for not being able to get the right um, skill set required. And um, there are issues around curriculum, standard of uh, teaching, and at all, at all, at all. But uh, I, I don't want us to um, focus on or gripe about the issues, uh, the pain points. But we also realize that there could be, you know, light at the um, at the end of the tunnel. And I would like to, before I, I just kind of go on and on, I'd like to introduce um, to us uh, our guest today. Uh, who will be sharing his thoughts about, um, you know, the the the, the topic, which is threatening the employability to drive economic growth. Our guest today is William Suma. He's a senior uh, advisor and uh, the uh, program manager at UNDP. William, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, uh, Margaret, and thank you for this opportunity to join your show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for that. I mean, I know that UNDP has been doing um, quite a lot of work in this area. Uh, and I just would like to um, to ask that or to find out that in order to address this issues that we have discussed uh, or what I, I just introduced, um, perhaps we must first acknowledge the problem. And I would like to know um, what are your other thoughts? Because I, I think I, I shared some. 
what either thoughts you think may have contributed to youth unemployability in Nigeria? Uh, thanks. Thank you so much, uh, Margaret. And of course, uh, just to again appreciate yourself and the American Business Council for what I think are very catalyzing uh, conversations through the podcast. And I'm really glad that today we are having a discussion, I think, on an issue that is quite pertinent and not, not just for Nigeria, but for, for the continent as a whole. Uh, I think we're witnessing uh, a growing um, youthful population uh, in the country. And of course, it's almost impossible to discuss young people without really thinking about how we meaningfully support them to contribute towards their own well-being and the empowerment of their country as well. Um, and I think I'll be the first one to say that uh, I think young people are not, they're not a liability. I think that's such an asset. And of course, Nigeria, as you mentioned already, Margaret, um, is, is not a short, does not have a shortage of talent. Um, irrespective of the sector that you look at, whether it's in the public sector or in the private sector, whether it's in agriculture or in ICT, whether it's in the fintech space or the creative space, I think young people are, are literally trailblazing, if I was to use that analogy. And having said that, you've touched already on a number of issues that perhaps are critical. And if we're thinking about how to really address the issues of unemployability in the country and the rising unemployability, there are certain things that we need to, to dive on. And I know that there's an entire economic aspect uh, of job creation, and I think there are people who are better placed to, to speak about that. But there's some that you've touched on, which I'd like to bring back to this conversation. And, and one of them is really looking at how uh, how we prepare young people uh, for a very competitive labor market. Um, and you touched, you already mentioned on how employers on one hand are really struggling to, to find the right fit uh, for the roles that they have. So this whole uh, common phrase of the uh, skills industry or talent skills mismatch, where um, employers, whether in the private or the public sector, are really struggling with finding uh, employable talent. Uh, and by employable, I mean market-ready uh, expertise. And therefore, that raises a question as to whether we are transferring the right set of skills or whether our learning methods uh, in our schools of, of higher learning, whether it's tertiary institutions or universities, is fit for purpose. Uh, so that is on one hand. On the other hand, um, uh, Margaret, what is important to mention is that the the work environment has changed quite a lot, and and I think uh, COVID just exacerbated this reality when um, when it did happen, and then we realized that we are we're operating in a in a very digital context. Um, we're operating in a very digital. Um, uh, era that is informed by a lot of remote work that is informed by shift and changes in the work environment. In fact, uh, the World Economic Forum estimates that by the year 2030, uh, slightly over 30% of the current roles will be extinct. And what does that mean in terms of the sort of skills that we transfer to young people right now in terms of preparing them for uh, the jobs of the future? So when we start thinking, thinking about employability, it's much, it's much more than just creating jobs, but it's really how we, how we prepare young people to transition from learning to earning, how we prepare young people to transition from job seekers to employment creators. How do we 
reduce the gap between employers and institutions of learning, for example, and perhaps make that ecosystem much more intertwined, that if there's a closer collaboration and interaction between potential employers and learning institutions, that perhaps this uh, skills mismatch uh, could probably be bridged. And, and I think you touched on a number of issues, but I think for me, these are two that I thought I should bring to the table. And perhaps the last one, when we start really understanding issues of employability, then is, uh, is, is how then do we make this connection between uh, having the right skills and really deploying uh, in the sectors of the future? So the, the one question is, which are the sectors that are driving employment as a public service, if we were to look at jobs as a public service. And what are those sectors of the future? Are we thinking about nanotechnology and how it's influencing jobs? Are we thinking about the digital economy and how it's shaping the future of jobs? Are we thinking about smart agriculture, for example, and how that is transforming the agriculture sector? Are we thinking about urban renewal and the renewable energy space and how that is shaping the sort of jobs that are being created and therefore, when we start having these discussions, then it will also shape very much how policy is developed, how development interventions are designed, how learning systems are refocused. But it will really require, as you said, that we unpack these issues a little bit more, such that then solutions are then informed by a very solid understanding uh, of some of these challenges, Margaret. You know, you're really spot on on um, a number of things. And one of um, what you said that resonated with me was um, how do we move people from just learning to earning? How do we make them um, employers of labor? We have seen um, an, an increasing interest in uh, people or the young people or the youth wanting to move into um you know, owning businesses, being entrepreneurs. Uh, we've seen how, you know, Nigeria has become almost the land of the unicorns in the area of fintech and all. And, and that's really uh, telling us, you know, where the world is gravitating to um, in terms of, um, you know, the new world uh, and the and the critical importance of uh, you know technology and and more 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 importantly power that you know would drive um, things around internet access. Um, how do you think that you know the gap we currently have um, you know in the country and perhaps in the continent at varied degrees uh, may have contributed to the challenge that we have today? Yeah, so I mean, there's um, how can I how can I put this? I think there's there's um, one can look at the gap in different ways, and and of course there are this technological advancement and also the critical enablers that really drive um, job creation. I think as I, as I mentioned in my earlier submission, the the work environment has changed significantly. Uh, I was having a discussion not so long ago. Um, with a group of very interesting young people uh, based out of uh, um, out of Uyo, and that's Akwaibom. And basically what they were talking about is that um, they are they cannot imagine an eight to five anymore because they ha they're shifting into the gig economy. And therefore that means that uh, they can work remotely for clients out outside of Nigeria, right? So that means that 
um, a young person who's technologically advanced and technologically savvy has clients providing them with digital solutions and solving their digital problems and addressing their needs. Um, and these are clients who are sitting in different time zones across the world. Um, and, and, and one thing that was very interesting when I was having this discussion with, uh, with this gentleman who basically provides the, the physical space where a lot of these young people come in to work was saying that one of the main selling points has been uh, steady access to internet, steady access to electricity as a fundamental enabler. So what does that mean? That means that the days when digital internet technology was a luxury are long gone. It's really a basic need now. In fact, uh, in some quarters, we are talking about internet and access to technology as a human right now, in the sense that, <laughs> uh, you know, accessing, uh, being able to access internet should not be a preserve of a select few. I mean, many years ago, having internet was a luxury. You know, there were... Those were things that were reserved for the privileged. But right now it's becoming a basic need. Having the need to have energy, to have electricity, um, you will find that an ecosystem, a community, a village, a country, a state that has got reliable energy, has got easily accessible hotspots where you walk into a cafe, it's plug and play, you walk into an airport, you're in the hotspot. It just exacerbates on one hand, trade grows because then a lot of uh, commerce happens online, but at the same time, jobs are also undertaken online. Information and data is exchanged digitally. Enge engagement and interaction, if I look at the discussion, we're having it right now, we're in two different locations geographically, but we're able to have this conversation. And that just goes to show that it is impossible to then um, achieve some of the things that we're talking about, Margaret, even the context that you set, if we really don't try and bridge this gap. And if I look at the issue of technological access and as well as uh, energy and electricity, it is not an option anymore. I think it's a basic foundation that we need to thrive, I mean, to achieve, um, particularly if we're thinking about the jobs of the future, if we're thinking about what the 21st century has, and if the young people have to fully harness their potential, that should be a bare minimum, I would say, Margaret. Yeah, and you know, again, one thing you said also triggered some thoughts around um, the issue of, um, you know, the youth and the migration to um, other countries for um, presumably greener pastures. And, and then we're looking at, um, you know, employability from a point of view of how this can help drive or improve um you know the access to um jobs of the future and people who um to, to take an example of the gentleman you 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 spoke about um in new york who um you know we we have where they, where they have a lot of uh, um youth or some youth that are working at different time zones across the world now um i i then begin to think that if people know that they're able to or stay in Nigeria and then do work uh, remotely and then, you know, the the green notes, you know, then uh, perhaps the, the, the issue around, you know, the migration and the hemorrhage of uh, youth into other countries may be considered if this is given those levels of priority, uh, you know, creating, making employability foregrounded in a way and manner that is relevant to these uh, jobs 
that can retain the youth in Nigeria and 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 still make them work wherever they want to work in the world. And uh, I kind of think that's uh, that's a, a a good way of looking at the the conversation around employability. Just wondering if UNDP has any. Um, and I've, I've done any work. I mean, if, if not, it could be an interesting um, thing to look at, uh, you know, uh, in areas where uh, employability uh, structures or strategies are put in place, does that, does that, would this improve, decrease, um, whatever it is around, um, you know, the migration that we are, we, we are seeing. But again, that could be another conversation for for another day. Um, but, but again, I, I would like to know, uh, because um, I, I did uh, a bit of work, uh, research at the background um, before this, this, this um, uh, podcast, obviously. And, uh, you know, I know that UNDP is really much in the, uh, the thick of um, you know ensuring or supporting in 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 this um, the, the the conversation in unemployability. So can you kind of give us a run through of what your organization um, is currently doing or have done and currently doing to combat the challenge of youth unemployability in Nigeria specifically, but perhaps you know you may want to give examples outside of the country as well. Thank you. No, thanks. Thank you so much, um, uh, Margaret. And 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 indeed, I'll I'll come to to UNDP uh, and and just share a little bit about the the work that we do, and most importantly, how then we attempt to support um, the government and the people of Nigeria around the issues of uh, of youth and employment. And I think if um, when what if I step back a little bit, I think just vital to emphasize that of course UNDP is. Is, is the development agency of um, of the United Nations system, and as such, uh, the organisation has got a mandate uh, provided by member states to really support the coordination of development, to find uh, structural solutions to structural development challenges, and of course, we come in with a very strong developmental mandate, um, and this is really governed uh, by. Uh, the UN's um, uh, Sustainable Development Cooperation Framework that is signed uh, between uh, the government and the UN. And out of that, UNDP extracts its country program document that then guides and informs uh, its development offer to the country. In fact, as we are speaking, we're just in the process of finalizing the 2023-2027 country program document uh, under the leadership of um, of Nigeria and our resident representative here in uh, in Nigeria. Now, um, from a UNDP perspective, I think it's important to first of all recognize that issues of youth unemployment are multidimensional. So when you think about unemployment, unemployment is not is not it's not just a social issue. It is not just an economic issue. It is not just a political issue, and neither is it just an institutional issue. It's a multidimensional issue. I do not think that there is one single solution that you can be able to uh, deploy into a given context and say, okay, now here you go, you've addressed the unemployment issue. And that is where UNDP comes in, in its, with its broad development agenda. 
in the sense that for us to be able to really tackle the issue of unemployment, we need to also address the root causes of unemployment. We need to address the root socioeconomic cultural factors that drive unemployment. And this will probably help you then and the listeners to understand a little bit about how UNDP then is structured internally. So from a programmatic perspective, we've got the operations of UNDP and the programs of UNDP and the operation provides the backbone upon which our programmatic work is done. On one hand, we've got the macroeconomic policy work, which also includes uh, uh, inclusive growth pillar and livelihood support as well. And this is really where UNDP, on behalf of the UN system, supports Nigeria at federal level as well as at the state level to really uh, put in place SDG uh, sensitive development plans, ensure that the development plans are risk informed at the state level as well and support with the entire development planning process. This also includes ensuring that SDG and investments for development are also tailored to the changing financing and financial context, but most importantly to also um, explore ways in which trade and investment into high impact programs can be generated. And so one can ask how is this related and relevant for job creation? Um, the the, in, the investment environment and the development planning environment and the macro macroeconomic policy environment is very critical when it comes to job creation. And it creates an enabling environment where private sector can grow, expand, and by growing and expanding, then jobs are created. It also creates an environment where policies that are responsive to the poor, that are responsive to specific groups, uh, can then be enhanced as well. Um, and then this links very closely to something that is very pertinent right now and which forms a second pillar of the work that we do as UNDP. And this is around environmental sustainability and the new um, discussion around climate change, which is impossible to argue against. Uh, we're really moving at a world where the management of natural resources, the need to protect our environment, the need to rethink uh, issues of energy is critical. Uh, because natural resources are the foundation upon which we exist. And they become a key driver of economic expansion and growth. If you look at uh, employability right now, it's not surprising that agriculture is the leading employer. Um, I think, and that's, I think after the public service, agriculture remains a leading employer, or the, at least the top three leading employer in the country. And really the extraction or the manifestation of agriculture is, as, is, 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 is directly correlated to how we manage our natural resources. That means how we manage our water resources, our land resources, our environment as a whole. And therefore, by investing in the climate promise of UNDP and supporting Nigeria and accompanying Nigeria's effort to conserve its environment, to protect its climate, climatic conditions, to mitigate against climate change risks, we are inadvertently creating an enabling environment for certain critical economic sectors to thrive. So that means that then um, uh, new ways of doing agriculture can be uh, can be explored where technology meets agriculture. Uh, when you're now hearing notions of smart agriculture, whether it's for crop farming or whether it's for livestock keeping, is in itself creating new jobs and new job opportunities as well. Uh, the extension service ecosystem is changing a lot and significantly improving. And these are some of the 
knock-on effects uh, of some of the investments that we uh, trigger and catalyze around our climate and, 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 and um, climate change and environmental sustainability. And this, of course, again, links to the big discussion around energy and renewable energy, especially, where now you might be aware Nigeria is leading the discussion on the energy transition and the just transition. And again, it's important to highlight that the renewables is now one of the largest employers. If you look at the shift to get people off the grid, has created new job opportunities. And, and really now, if you think about the jobs of the future, it's renewables uh, and so on and so forth. So how is that critical? If we can be able to have a, a climate action around the need to protect and manage our environment effectively, then the catalyst and the and the knock-on effects is, the, is sort of the jobs that get created in the process. So there's a direct correlation between protecting the environment and creating jobs. And finally, within UNDP, the third pillar then is the governance, peace and security. And I think we all know that the public sector, of course, uh, continues to be one of the greatest employers as well. But the public sector is very critical when it comes to putting in place the necessary legislation and putting in place the necessary laws that then ensure that the private sector can thrive, ensures that there's seamless operations and confidence between citizens and policymakers. But at the same time, that the conduce, a conducive living environment from a peace and security perspective allows industry to thrive, allows markets to thrive. You will find that areas that are conflictuous tend to to be a put-off when you're thinking about investment. And so uh, the governance, peace and security um, department of UNDP really is to then support and catalyze efforts towards uh, peaceful coexistence, but also strengthening the core governance architecture of the government. So internally, these are very broad programmatic areas that UNDP is involved in that contributes directly and indirectly uh, to to then issues of unemployment. And, and much more specifically now, if you look at one of the flagship programs that uh, UNDP uh, jointly uh, under the leadership of the federal government of Nigeria with support from the European Union is now in leading from an implementation perspective is the Jubilee Fellows, uh, Nigeria Jubilee Fellows Program, which really um, is, 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 is a model, and as I mentioned at the beginning, that tries to experiment around supporting young people to transition from this learning environment to an earning environment. Now, whether that is a young person who's seeking to break into the entrepreneurship space or somebody who's seeking to break into the labor market. And the Jubilee Fellows Program basically provides a bridge that supports fresh graduates to then really access meaningful work and learn on the job and gain market-ready skills that then positions them uh, effectively to participate in the labor market. And this is through a 12-month learning cycle where then UNDP jointly with partners and the private sector provide placement opportunities and surround these young, fresh graduates with mentors and coaches uh, to be able to improve uh, the employability index. If there's a if there's an index called employability index, mm -hmm. so then that's, that that helps to improve that index such that then, after 12 months, a young man, young woman um, has already some practical experience that complements the theory that they learned in school and puts them in good stead uh, to do two things. So one, either to plug into the labor market with confidence. Or secondly, to perhaps be inspired and 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 explore ways in which they can 
uh, test out their abilities in the entrepreneurship space uh, in the business environment. So, and this is just but one uh, initiative that um, that is being uh, rolled out um, uh, by Nigeria with support uh, from UNDP and partners, Margaret. Yeah, so that that's quite interesting. I, I was just wondering if there are other countries um, that you have uh, done similar projects, um, and or at least before Nigeria, and and um, how successful uh, have they been? Yeah. So I mean, I mean, to to be honest, sometimes it's it's always important to also appreciate that that Nigeria has always had a habit of. Uh, uh, of 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 setting the trend and trailblazing. Oh. I mean, you you already spoke about uh, uh, Nigeria being the home of unicorns and uh, Nigeria being uh, you know setting a blaze when it comes to Nollywood or the creative economy. And and I think I would I'll probably go ahead and say that, um, and 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 I'm sure probably my boss would agree to this that I think the the Nigeria Jubilee Fellows Program is 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 unique it's unique not in terms of being the first fellowship program of course not i think there's many fellowship programs out there but it's unique in terms of scale because when you look at this particular program we've got an ambition of providing placement of opportunities for 20,000 fellows uh, fresh graduates every year um so i don't i don't think that i know of any program that has got that level of ambition and scale as well and then at the same time also wanting to ensure that this is a program that is nationwide and that is seeking to connect young people to future ready opportunities so that means that it's 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 very private sector facing so it's a it's a program that is really designed with private sector in mind and with the understanding that private sector is really the engine through which jobs are created i think having said that and just to mention uh, margaret that the rollout of this program, which is still at the very infant stage, has already inspired quite a number of UNDP uh, officers um, within the continent and beyond who are now already starting to uh, to desire to learn uh, from the Jubilee Fellows. But even as I say that, of course, uh, UNDP corporately, we've got uh, fellowship programs that are largely internal where we provide graduate training programs for uh, for first graduate, that's a UNDP graduate program. We've got the uh, Young Talent Careers. We've got the United Nations Volunteers Program. Uh, we also have uh, within Africa jointly with the Africa Union, we've got the Africa Young Women's uh, Leadership Program that provides young women an opportunity to work within UNDP offices on the continent. So there are there is experience of how to connect young people with experiences in the development field, but in terms of scale, I think the Jubilee Fellows Program still uh, is a unique value proposition, even from the standards of UNDP. And how would you say the private sector um, has um, been uh, receptive to this project in Nigeria? It's, I mean, it's it's been it's been overwhelming. I think it's been humbling uh, to see how the program has been positively received, both uh, from the private sector, but also. Um, even just in terms of the demand from the prospective fellows, uh, fresh graduates, um, and 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 again, a lot of it is um, is because the design was largely a co-created process where 
um, it was about understanding the needs and the priorities of potential host organizations, in this case, private sector. It was about understanding their talent needs. It, it was about understanding their, their pain points when it comes to accessing talent, nurturing talent and retaining talent. But at the same time, it was about understanding the challenges that young people face uh, on the labor market. So what we noticed was through a one-year design process was it was really about tailoring and deploying a product to the market that is addressing a real problem. And that particular problem was industry was struggling to find the right fit um, and to really connect uh, with the talent that is ready and employable uh, on the market. And therefore, the Jubilee Fellows Program then was offering a solution and saying, trust the program and that in 12 months we shall have a pool of uh, fresh graduates who've gone through um, a, a competitive process of learning and really whose expertise and experience has been stretched through a placement opportunity and you're going to have a reservoir of talent that you can draw from. And therefore, that means that if you're, if you're investing $2, if you're investing $1 to upskill your, your entrant at management level or your early entrant at the workplace, what the Jubilee Fellows Program comes to do is that it's to reduce that by 50%, such that then if it was going to cost you $2, it'll probably cost you one because we're going to take away that pain point. And therefore, uh, prepare... Uh, sort of um, a profile or a roster of uh, um, of talent that private and public sector can draw from. And for the young people, it was again to demonstrate to them that there are opportunities in Nigeria. Uh, that uh, that when we're saying there are, we can connect young people to practical learning opportunities. It is possible to do that, and this is just not limited to the larger corporations, but it's also to the small and medium enterprises, to the startups as well, uh, who are the engine of the economy and that there are opportunities in the country. But what is important is to be deliberate about connecting these learning needs and the skills uh, that are required on the market for purposes of ensuring that this transformation happens at two levels, one within the organization that is taking in this talent uh, where certain return on investment uh, measured on the perspective of the key bottom line. And then the transformation that happens in the life of a young person who at the end of the 12 months feels that there are several things that have happened. One of them being that they're now proficient in terms of their areas of interest, the more confident on the labor market, but most importantly, that are at a place where they feel they have a skill and a life skill and a developmental skill that they did not have uh, when they joined into the program. So in that regard, Margaret, the program has been very well received. And as I mentioned, it's still early days, but we're seeing a lot of traction. We're seeing a lot of the interest around the program, and I'm sure we'll be having many more opportunities to talk about it. Yes, and talking about opportunities to talk about this, um, I, I know that we're going to be speaking with the, the American Business Council um, companies tomorrow around, you know, um, the opportunities that stand around, um, you know, working with UNDP on this uh, Jubilee project. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to 
to getting some more insights, you know, from what you have shared. I, 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 see, I can sense a lot of passion, you know, um, in your, um, you know, your commitment to this, to this uh, project. And uh, uh, for me, and I know the first time we connected, I, I was like, oh, I, I need a link like yesterday, you know. So, uh, yeah. you know, and, and I, I, I know that's going to be the way a lot of. Uh, uh, the other U.S. Uh, companies that I, I I spoke with about this, you know, would would also react, or they had already reacted in that way when I spoke with them. But I'm sure when you speak tomorrow, um, would get a lot more um, uh, interest, uh, for for want of a better word, at this point. But but there was something you 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 said to me, and I I'm looking at the time, and I'm a bit conscious that we are running thing on time, and I'll soon hear the bell ringing somewhere that it's time for us to kind of wrap round off. Uh, but um, there was something you mentioned, and I hope you're able to um, expand or expantiate um, that tomorrow um, at tomorrow's event, and that's the issue around climate climate change and employability, uh, because you know. Uh, these days we're we're talking about how can we reduce our carbon footprints. U.S. companies are looking at how can they, uh, you know, work with the government to a commitment of, uh, uh, you know, zero zero uh, in terms of uh, emissions and, and and things. And that's very uh, of very keen interest to us. In fact, uh, the American Business Council will be working on a, uh, an impact survey. On, on on how U.S. companies are impacting, you know, the uh, environment and meeting their commitments, and so uh, this would be a very a very keen interest to 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 us. And uh, I know that we, you know we may not be able to go into details right now, but uh, it's it's an area that I I believe that we could do quite a lot in terms of collaboration. And so, um, you know, before we round off, we always like. Um, you know, our guest to be uh, kind of uh, some form of not a soothsayer or a fortune teller, but you know, you know, to have that corporate crystal ball that can give us a sense of what the future would look like. And so, uh, you know, William, I, I'm I'm just wondering, what do you really? I mean, with all this that's that's on the on the radar, uh, with the uh, with the the whole um, you know dynamism and energy that's around um, the work to 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 improve. Um, the workforce, the youth, from a point of view of employability. Um, how do you see what's the future of youth employability in Nigeria? And you know, how do we get more of our next generation into the workforce? I mean, well, yeah, I've talked about a lot that we're doing, but are there other things that we should be looking at? Uh, thanks. Thank you so much, Margaret. And, and thanks for the opportunity that, of course, we've had to speak about um, uh, the whole issue of youth employability and 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 its connectedness in different facets of life. And I'm looking forward to the discussion tomorrow, indeed, uh, where we'll touch on this a little bit more. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hugely optimistic about the issue of, um, of, of, of youth employability and the outlook uh, of how that looks like in Nigeria. And, and, and I'm also cognizant, of course, of the challenges and, um, and, and perhaps some of the bottlenecks that we need to overcome um, as a country to be able to lay that solid foundation. But having said that, there's so much that is working out in favor of the country. Um, you, you touched on some of those things already at the beginning. We've got a talented uh, young generation that 
is technologically connected. We've got a population that is very enterprising. Um, we've got a, a, a generation of young people that are very knowledgeable, very well educated, very vocal, very assertive. Uh, they know and they're aware of the potential that resides within them. And then we've got a very thriving domestic uh, private sector. I think Nigeria has perhaps one of the largest uh, domestic uh, investment ecosystem. Um, I was talking to a few friends of mine who were talking about, if you look at the, the volume of angel investment in the startup ecosystem in Nigeria, it's largely by Nigerians and that is commendable. So Nigerians are willing to invest in Nigerian startups, in Nigerian companies. And in turn, create jobs for Nigerians. So I, I'm, I'm an optimist, um, and and optimist in the sense that there is a lot that is working out in favor of the country. Um, if you look at, um, I think the investment that has come into the country from a talent perspective, whether it's within the startups, whether it's within uh, the R&D space, um, I think perhaps on the continent there's not many that come close to. Uh, to Nigeria in that regard. If you look at the sectors of the future, in which case you're really looking at digital and technology, you're looking at renewables, um, you're looking at, um, at, 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 an, at a future that is shifting towards an energy economy, it's almost impossible to do that without having Nigeria at the table. And then the sheer volume of numbers also plays a critical role when we are talking about markets. So the market value of Nigeria, that if you have a Nigerian company that is looking to invest in Nigeria, you have a market at your, at your disposal. So what does that mean? It, it really means that despite and in spite of the challenges, I think the country stands in very good stead, in my view. Um, and what we, of course, need to grapple with collectively, all of us, is how do we harness this potential, harness this opportunity, shift and shepherd it in the right direction, uh, because the future is bright, uh, in my view. And again, uh, this generation, they're not the leaders of tomorrow, they're really the leaders of today. They're, they're already showing the path in so many ways. Um, and you touched on some of those sectors already, and that is just if you look at the entrepreneurship space. I mean, we've not even looked at the public enterprise or the public space where, again, young Nigerians are, are trailblazing as well. If you look at the social enterprise space, if you look at the non-governmental uh, ecosystem, um, personally for me, are there challenges? Yes. Are there bottlenecks as we spoke about? Yes. Uh, but do we have the reserves within us to navigate with wisdom and overcome those challenges with foresight and prepare this generation for the future? I would say a resounding yes. Um, and therefore, I, I really look forward to sustaining this discussion with you, Mary, um, as well tomorrow with the, with the business, with the American Business Council, even as we put our heads together to see how can we, um, you know, empower and create uh, that empowerment funnel uh, one young person at a time uh, through the Jubilee Fellows Program. So thank you again once for having me on this uh, podcast. Okay, fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I, I like uh, the optimistic way we're ending this. Um, the, the future is certainly golden. Um, the future is green.
uh, we have come to the end of this show and would like to thank you again, William, for uh, making our time to join us today. Uh, we'd like our viewers to follow us on the Business Exchange, uh, SoundCloud, the, on Apple Podcast and Spotify. And on social media, would like uh, us, you to follow us at abcouncil.ng on Twitter and Instagram and on the American Business Council Nigeria on LinkedIn. And then make sure you join the conversation and use the hashtag, hashtag the ABC exchange, business exchange. And I would see you same time. Keep listening. Thank you very much.